Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast. Before we get started, we want to offer thanks to purpleptsd.com and vikingsterritory.com for giving us a chance to post our podcast over there. Sure to check out great Vikings coverage over at purpleptsd.com and vikingsterritory.com. Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, football season is officially over now. Uh, we yep. got to watch the Super Bowl last night. Uh, Kyle, as we jump in, maybe we'll start with the, the Super Bowl because it's the most fresh Vikings, yep. well, football news. Uh, we're going to make it about the Vikings some way or another. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, just kind of interested to hear your thoughts on on what was a great game. Well, that was, I mean, that's the kind of the first takeaway. You know, if you're watching it, like Sam and I, both of us are, are, are major Vikings fans, especially Sam. You know, you really are just hoping for, you know, a really good game, right? Obviously, because you don't actually have a horse in the race. Um, I was, though, I will say, you want to make it Vikings right off the hop. Man, friggin' Jarek McKinnon, to ha- in that moment, to know to go down, to, to keep draining the clock, and essentially, guarantee, not, you know, it's not guaranteed. But you basically increase your chances of winning exponentially by going down rather than scoring a touchdown. Uh, former Viking, right? Did some excellent stuff, right? When he played for us, and he, um, uh, you know, mostly got his opportunity as kind of like a number two back. But uh, in that moment, excellent stuff from Jarek McKinnon, and so good to see a former Viking winning a ring because um, we all know how tough that's been winning a ring in a purple uniform. But very nice stuff. The, the game overall, I think, was really good. I picked the Eagles to win. I picked a 27-21 game. So obviously, the score went way beyond that. And um, at the end, I'm kind of flabbergasted a little bit that uh, I don't think Mahomes was sacked once that game. And so to me, you had the Eagles lead the NFL in sacks, I believe, with 70. Which was which? Seventy sacks is a humongous, humongous amount in any season. Humongous amount, and they had, I think, four pass rushers all above eleven sacks. Right with uh, Reddick, I think, leading the way, but then Hargrave and uh, Sweat, and I, I believe Brandon Graham got in the action as well, and then even Fletcher Cox, he was really high too. I think he had seven. Right, so I mean, they just have this deep, talented defensive front. Uh, and I thought, okay, they're going to find a way to kind of get after Mahomes early and often, and just make life exceedingly difficult. And if and if you don't if you don't hit Mahomes a lot, it's just going to be tough to slow him down. And uh, I don't actually think he had a great great game, but he played pretty well and did what he needed to do for the team to win. So Patrick Mahomes, right? And and but that was I, I thought for sure that the Eagles' defensive line was going to have a field day. And they just didn't. Uh, they got him off the spot a few times, but they really didn't take over the game. No, no. It, like you said, it was a great, great to have a back and forth game. I know yeah. in our playoff predictions, I did have uh, Kansas City. There it is. There wins, it is. So I just need to throw that in there. But like yep. you said, yep. I, th- I thought Mahomes was he was still very good. Yeah, but, he was good. But yeah. it wasn't like even to, for him to only throw 182 yards. Uh, yeah. Like That's it, the thing. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like he was uh, like in some ways like Hertz went over over three hundred yards, which you would have. Hertz guessed. was better. Yeah, 
he was um like again there is a, a little bit of um uh, a management of the game that comes with with Mahomes that uh, is incredible but Hurts certainly was not the reason um the team lost uh he 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 yeah. did his his part um, that fumble though was backwards the fumble was the fumble was bad the fumble like that that hurts and and you look at when it's a close game you can look back but realistically the way that they responded after that you kind of feel like you know what yeah um, again this is this is what happens with the games and 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 i guess maybe to that point uh as we start to like identify different plays that maybe shifted the game i know that there's going to be a lot of people that want to talk about yeah. that uh penalty at the end of the game which yeah. really sealed a Kansas City win like there was at that yeah. point with where they're going to be able to get the clock uh really was it really it really did influence the game i guess is is yeah. what you can say and we can sit here and maybe debate a little bit of whether it's a penalty or not uh but hard for what was such a great game to come down to something that is viewed as controversy, although in some ways I feel like you're going to have controversy no matter what. I again, I know maybe we have a little bit different opinions on on what happened here. Um, yeah, yeah. Where, where where do you stand? I, I just think it was just an awful, awful call by the letter of the law. It might have been the right decision to throw the flag, but by the letter of the law, those plays happen every single play, kind of thing. And you know what I mean. And we know that at the end of games, even regular season games, quite often. You know, in, in in the end, a lot of times, some of that stuff doesn't get called. And especially in these huge moments, the refs do not want to be the storm. You know what I mean? Like, let the teams play. Uh, to me, it was just kind of tragic. Because rather than, you know, in, likely, in all likelihood, the, the Chiefs still go up 38-35. They probably still kick a field goal and still take that lead. I don't know what the official odds would have been. There, there are sites that will do this and run simulations and so on and so forth. You know, Kansas City probably still has a massive advantage statistically in terms of whether or not they would win that game but at least you got a minute and a half or so or something along those lines for the eagles to give it a shot right and and so then it kind of feels like with that penalty you went from this amazing back and forth game to eagles just never got to touch the ball again and it's just kind of this like limp to the finish line um i think uh pf i mean there's been a lot of memes and i was i've seen one pff where it was the spider-man meme and it was game of thrones looking at uh, the end of the Super Bowl, basically saying, you know, the ending of each was just not that good, unfortunately, even though the lead up to the end was fantastic. Uh, and it's hard to th- not to think that this was really not a great way. Is this really how the NFL wants, you know, kind of like a classic Super Bowl between two heavyweights to end? Uh, I just cannot imagine people are happy with that. I, it feels very unsatisfying. Yeah, I think that's fair. I again, I I would say like it was maybe a softer call for sure. I, yeah, oh yeah, sure. I I it does leave it like a a yucky feeling in some ways just Definitely. after after a game. I guess like my thing is like then would people say oh it was a missed call and I guess you're going to I think the 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 balance here is that there's going to be much more people that are upset that it was called versus that we're going to feel it was a missed call like yeah. When you think it's a missed call, you're probably thinking about the diehard Kansas City fans. And you saw Patrick Mahomes pointing towards it. Uh, like yeah. he he felt like it was. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess where I stand is just reffing's a tough job. I thought they did quite a good job throughout yeah. the game. Uh, those 
pieces are are hard and and realistically um it feels like it's very hard to come away from a game where you don't have some kind of thing where you could say well maybe if we got that call or that call went a different way that things could have been different it just feels almost inevitable at this point and yeah. so yeah. i just i have a hard time getting too worked up about it yeah yeah it's if i was an eagle, you know how petty i am with the vikings um how i hold on to these uh disappointment and bitterness and um if i was an eagles fan i'd be pretty upset yeah we, <laughs> i can tell you that yeah, yeah yeah i think that's probably there's a little bit of if we were in their shoes how would we? oh be? yeah be very uh, upset which which is fair so let to wrap up the super bowl talk uh as a vikings podcast is there anything that from this game that you can say how does this affect the vikings or what can the vikings take from these two teams because in the end of the day i think we can safely say that these were the two best teams uh yeah in the they NFL. Were pretty, Again, i think so we were pretty high on S- san francisco and i think there was a lot of good things there while also realizing that uh when you, you start going towards your qb4 you're in trouble uh, Gosh, that's right that's right and then back to your qb3 right, who's, who's actually now going to be done yeah. for six months like yeah it's, yeah exactly. um, yeah so i guess with these being the two best teams and and from what you saw is there anything that you can say yeah as a vikings fan i'm taking this or uh this gives me hope or this gives me reason to think that the vikings need to work towards something like this like what where right. where where do you come at from that perspective okay so here's this is probably not what you're expecting off the hop and this is not a super exciting answer but i'll say that the tiny details matter jarek mckinnon going down at the one isn't it like that's an insanely huge deal and i mean one so first off you say well done mr mckinnon number two well done coaching staff right and so that's a huge deal um Kadarius Tony bringing that punt back almost for a score that allowed the the Chiefs to um, they did score eventually they scored a touchdown um, that's a huge deal right like like uh, your 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 punt coverage uh, the fumble from Jalen Hurts you know and he wasn't even really being hit it was just trying to move the ball from one hand to the other again massive deal so these tiny little details once you get super super high in the playoffs the margin of error is so small right. Because the teams are so good. Uh, these are just tiny little things that could really shift the game. You know what I mean? And so one of the, the lasting takeaways I have is that these these little details, um, special teams play perhaps, or uh, I don't know, just, just you know, understanding situational football. You know, we're, we're down with not much time left. Eagles don't, they can't build the clock. Therefore, I'm not going to score a touchdown. I mean, you score a touchdown at Super Bowl. That's a big deal. That's a story for the grandkids. You know what I mean? For McKinnon to put the team first there, it's pretty pretty special for McKinnon. So that's kind of one of my main takeaways. Just in, in the immediate aftermath, I'm saying, okay, that's that that was that you know that that's kind of an interesting point there. You could pull out. I just named three, but I'm sure there are dozens more of. Okay, this player was brilliant in that moment or this coaching staff did an excellent job in this moment or whatever it was kind of thing do you um i don't know first off does that make sense and second off do you have anything where you look at it and say you know okay wow that's the vikings need to replicate this or maybe even the vikings can replicate this they're on the way to doing that or you know whatever 
Yeah, no, I think it, it makes sense. And I actually would say that maybe in past years, that would have been uh, something that you would have looked for more from the Vikings. I actually felt like the small details, relatively speaking, were quite good this year. Uh, I think. Yeah, fair to say in that. a lot of ways. Yeah. And and that that comes down like that. You see that a lot in the one score games. Like, again, I don't I don't think if you redo the simulation 100 times that the Vikings come away with uh, the same amount of one score games. Like it's just like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's why I think we we said along the way, like you got to have fun with this because like at the end, yeah, of the day, yeah, you're not gonna, yeah, yeah. you're not gonna. Yeah. I, I can't remember. Was it eleven and zero one score game? What was the? I, be, I believe so. Yeah, like yeah. again, like that's just it's nuts. Uh, it's wild. Yeah, it's, it it's uh, yeah, not rep. Uh, you can't. You're not gonna repeat that. But I think that that is there. Uh, so seeing seeing that, but also uh, kind of touching on what one of the things you said, like. The, the coaching, you could just see how well the game was played throughout the entire piece. Like yeah. you, you saw the opening series and you saw the way that they, uh, both teams managed that. There was very few plays that I saw either coaching side make that I was like, ah, that was a bad call. Like just the way that the team seemed to know their yeah. team, know their strengths uh, and be able to execute on third and longs or uh, execute like I, even just watching Philadelphia, like bomb it down to AJ Brown. I was like, you know what? They yeah. give this guy a chance and they know that this is a big dude. And if he mm-hmm. is, has a jump ball, you, you go for it. Similar yeah. to what we saw with the the Vikings and what they did with Justin Jefferson at times, right? Yeah. Like get, give your star players a chance to make big plays. Yeah. So yeah, I just felt like the team, in general absolutely the the coaching staff really uh and the play calling was was really 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 uh really special i felt yeah true enough i mean that's a good takeaway too i mean I'm, i've always been a believer that like you live and die by your studs like who is your best player this dude is a stud well if he can't get it done you know what i mean if, if sam is my number one well you know and i mean to a certain extent you coach and you scheme other guys open do this and do that when in crunch time if Sam's my guy, I'm looking for Sam. And if he can get the job done, then we're gonna win. If he can't get the job done, then I guess we don't win. You know what I mean? And so I think there's there's a lot of and you know, putting so much on Hertz, right? To to get those first downs in short yardage or to score the three touchdowns. I mean, you live and die by your studs. Who who is your your stud? Hertz, man. Like he was really the fumble aside, he was excellent. And you could probably say he he was the game's MVP, really. He was the game's best player, right? Yeah. It's just unfortunate yeah. that it was on a in a losing effort. Yeah, it. I one of the other things that I just as I watched this game that I realized is like when you have a good mobile quarterback who can run and make plays yeah. with his feet, uh, and is also an above average thrower of the football. That is such a deadly combination. Like again, yeah. that, that like Kirk Cousins is not. He's not a scrambler. Like he he can mm-hmm. he can run a couple times uh, a game maybe, but like for yep. like the Vikings, you you saw it this year when you have to play a mobile quarterback, whether it's uh, Jalen Hurts or even Daniel Jones, uh, some ways Justin Fields. Like you you see how hard it is as a defense to cover that, and oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. that would be that would be a really nice uh, thing to have at, at that position as someone that can can do that. Um, you heard it here first. Sam is firing up the rumor machine for getting the dual threat quarterback this offseason. Uh, 
would love that. Um, okay, so since we last recorded, there's been a couple of pieces of Vikings news. Yep. Uh, let's start with Brian, uh, Brian Flores. Uh, mm-hmm. So I know there was a lot of conversation about who's going to be this guy, uh, who who is it, and I think you just it's funny. I I certainly get a temperature of where things are at from Twitter and just seeing how people respond. And I think you get, there's just this natural wave of, you know what, here's all the candidates and you start to dream of, Oh, you know what? These are the guys we want. Like these are the, these are the top people. And then you start seeing guys get hired and then you hit the panic button. You're like, Oh, we're going to get stuck with this person. Yeah. Right. Right. And then at the end of the day ends up being Brian Flores, who at the start people would have said, out of the out of all the names that were thrown out there in terms of defensive coordinators, probably top two uh, names is that at fair worst. At worst, at worst, you know what I mean, or or just you know one out of one, you know kind of thing. But for a lot of people, yeah, if, if he wasn't their number one, then he was the number two because he, I think Josh Fry referred because I think he coached linebackers. Uh, he had another title as well, but he coached linebackers for the Steelers, and I think. Uh, I think Josh Fry referred to him as the most overqualified linebackers coach in the NFL last season, you know, what I mean? which is 100% true. You know, he should be a head coach somewhere. Um, and now he's coming to be the D coordinator. And uh, the hope, I think, and the expectation is that he's basically polar opposite of what we just saw last season, and that he's going to blitz like crazy and play a lot of main coverage. And so I'm excited. I, I, I'm, I'm really excited. I think people, there's a lot of concern that he's going to be one and done. You know, he's going to do so excellently that he'd be a head coach next offseason. And honestly, if there was, if you had to bet, that's probably where the safe money's at. Like, because he really should be a head coach, frankly. Um, but I just, I don't want to get too far ahead. Let's just enjoy the fact that Flores is coming to Minnesota. He is, he's, he's you know, the team has announced that he's under contract. He's going to be the DC. Let's just see what happens. I think we expect a significantly different defense. And you hope that that means a significantly better defense. Right. I, I, I've kind of, so I, I've been on vacation for the last little while. And so I've just kind of been checking in on Twitter every so often. And like, it almost like melts my brain a little bit, how like broken sometimes we are as fans, like for people to be sitting there like sad that, or like, maybe not sad, but just like scared really is what it comes down to that you're going to have, that you hire such a great person that they're going to leave after a year. Like, like what? What's the? I don't understand. What an, what an amazing problem, Dad. Like, why? Why are we? Flores to, was so brilliant. Like, you know. like, oh, frig! Our, our our coach was so good that he ends up actually elevating to. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. I just, I can't, I can't like get upset about that or like like concerned about that. Like again, like I understand. I guess in some ways you you think about like you know you have a star player and and the idea of them being so good that you can't afford their contract and like yeah, uh, but like this is yeah. part of sports and like you, you see like there are other people out there and, and who knows, like maybe the Vikings really create something special next year. And yeah, he sees that, you know what, I really want to win a championship and, and it feels like you can do it here and who knows. Yeah. And even like, if not, he goes and does that. And from what I've read and I haven't confirmed this, so maybe I shouldn't talk about it. Maybe you, you know, but if he was to leave and get a head coaching job, uh, there's the potential for compensation picks, correct? Uh, yeah, but I believe that's based off the amount of time. So I don't think it's uh, as automatic as uh, compensatory selections, just if he's hired. I do think that possibility exists. I have to look into the finer details. 
to see because I do know or I believe rather that um, uh, I believe that some of the conversation is tied to how long that coach has been with you. And so if it truly is one and done, I'm not sure what that means in terms of the draft picks you get in return. Um, so we can look into that and maybe maybe for the next episode, we'll look to clarify that and have some sort of firm details. Hey, hey if this is a one and done instance, because Flores is so brilliant, uh, this is what it means for the franchise. Right. Yeah. I saw someone float out two third round picks, which again, we can we can confirm. Uh, sure. again, yeah, we'll look, we'll look into that. I'll make a note of that. I think there's a few pieces to, um, yeah, to work on, or a few. Uh, it's it's not an automatic thing, I guess, is what you're 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 referencing. But but again, I think this this is a great hire for for the Vikings. Um, a plus hire, a plus. plus. Um, so I know we've got the. We're, we also want to talk about Justin Jefferson winning Offensive Player of the Year. I also know that you had uh, a plug to make, and so when's a, yep. a good time to do that? Well, let's just do Jefferson in 30 seconds because at the end of the day, it's all already been said. The kid's incredible. He's 23 years old. He's literally put up more yards and catches, I think, than anybody has in the first three years. No exaggeration to say that he's historically great. Um, Offensive player of the year, well-earned. In terms of non-quarterbacks, he was the highest in the MVP vote. You know, he actually finished on the ballot, kind of top five, whatever. Um, Where would this team be without him? (laughs) <laughs> you kind of think, uh, boys, boys, it wouldn't be 11 score, one score wins. It wouldn't, wouldn't be 13 wins overall. That's for damn sure. So he can sign an extension this offseason. And it would just be very fascinating to see um, what that means. Yeah. The the fifth-year option, if they were just, I mean, they're, they will be picking up his fifth-year option uh, as they try to kind of figure out an extension. And uh, fifth-year option for a receiver, some of that is tied to performance, like how many Pro Bowls you make and and, and achievements. Uh, but he's made multiple Pro Bowls, and so as a result, he's coming in. I think just over nineteen million seven hundred thousand. So for simplicity, you could say the fifth year option is going to be about twenty million dollars. And so if there's not an official kind of long extension worked out um, this off season, which is an option available to the team and to Jefferson, of course, two two sides need to agree something. Um, He'll have the fourth year of his rookie contract in 2023. 2024 will be that fifth year option, close to 20 million. And then you're kind of going from there. But I would say extensions probably in coming here at some point. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh it's gonna be interesting. I think I think there's maybe again some anxiety there, but but again, just wait and see. We'll uh we'll see see how it all all plays out. But uh why don't, why don't you hit to hit us with the the plug that you have for uh, for what you're working on right now. Okay, so the one that if uh, hop over to ptsd.com if you feel so inclined, uh, a lot of the kind of major NFL publications are are putting out their own lists of top 50 free agents, top 100 free agents. The lists are great; they're super fun. Uh, this is the season for speculation and hope and and salary cap shenanigans and all all kinds of stuff. I'm putting together top 25 free agents, but it's Vikings focus. So it's players who, for some reason, make sense for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so go check it out and, and get a sense of it's kind of like this ranked list of um, players who make at least some sense, right? Based off of position, the need, age, coaching connections, production, um, what they might cost and salary cap and how plausible that is 
you know, for the Vikings to afford, right? And then this kind of thing. And then the hope is that do an initial one here, post Super Bowl, day after the Super Bowl, it's go out today, I believe. And then before free agency arrives on March 15th, to do a revamped, uh, longer, fuller, more sophisticated one based off of, because some guys are going to get resigned. We might even see a player to retire. Uh, more players are going to come onto the market because of cuts and, you know, so on and so forth. So we'll just kind of see, right? And and the plan is to do a kind of like a, not a more official one, but a more robust one in advance of that March 15th day. But hopefully this is something that Vikings fans can kind of take a peek at and say, okay, these are players who uh, make sense for the Vikings. Uh, like you're not going to see Daniel Jones on there because we already have a quarterback, right? You're not going to see the top left tackles because we already have Christian Darisol. He's better than the other left tackles than he had, right? So it's, it's very kind of Vikings focused. And um, check it out if you feel so inclined. Neat, neat. That's great. It's great. Well, uh, we'll uh, actually before we wrap up there, I know that uh, I saw there was a little bit of ribbing on from your end of not talking about hockey, uh, and so just to throw my right quick Minnesota <laughs> yes, Wild I, plug, yeah, right out there uh, again. Things are looking a little bit. Um, dicey right now i know that some fans have switched over from wanting to be buyers at the deadline to sellers at the deadline one thing that i'll say that uh is a pro for the minnesota wild since uh, we last talked is scott wheeler put out his rankings of all the top prospect yeah. teams and uh coming at number one the minnesota wild uh and that's no small feat especially considering yep. this team uh again you've got a you've got a marco rossi that you pick um believe uh either eight or nine uh but like you haven't had like a a, a draft where you've picked um someone top five uh yeah. and so it's it really shows uh a real strength in terms of the the drafting the developing of the minnesota wild and i think even we talked about coming away from the world juniors that there's some guys that have been late round picks that look like they could be nhl caliber players which is great and so uh anyways just a huge um, huge plus there for the Minnesota Wild to, to know that 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 pipeline is as strong as it is. True enough, yeah. No, it was, it was, that was a great series from Scott Wheeler. So, Mr. Wheeler, if you listen to us from the north, well done. Yeah, well done. Yeah, um, Scott Wheeler over at the Athletic. Uh, for those that that don't know, uh, tremendous work. Yeah, great work, great work. So we're gonna wrap up there. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we'll. Potentially be back next week to to continue to really move into our off-season coverage. Uh, so be sure to come and check back, and uh, we will talk with you all soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye.